Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's time for another episode of Let's Hear It For The Boys. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. I'm glad that we didn't get a song. This is glorious. Uh, Listen, Justin called me out to the last episode saying I come up with this a second before. It's true. What? (laughs) Alex, all that rehearsal I scheduled for. Oh, man. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's been a busy week, you know. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. Fall. Everything normal. All good stuff. I think what happened is you became a man, and it's hard to go back to becoming a boy. I did have my bar mitzvah last week. I can't believe we happy, weren't invited. Happy New Year to you as yes, well. Yes, and I sang, Boy Ruch Hashem. There you go. Now, so there it is. now we can start the show. Now that's well, a way anyway, to kick we're talking off a about The Bloody Doors Off, the latest episode of The Boys. As you can tell from the title, this is a big one. And as usual, warning about spoilers, we're going to get right into it. We're going to be talking about everything that happened in this episode. So go watch it. If you have it, uh, let's jump into it. A big thing that is Wait, going on with this. Oh, yes, Pete. Let's not Before jump into we it. jump into it, I just want to say <laughs> I'm enjoying the titles. Um, they kind of give like little parts of what's going to happen uh, in the episode. And it's fun to kind of have that moment where you see like the title uh, happens. And, and uh, it's kind of been the last two, uh, especially, have, have been very fun. So, oh, yeah. You're doing the- before we. Leo Before DiCaprio we... and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thing where you're pointed at the screen. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You oh, know okay. what I'm talking about. It's a meme, Pete, oh. online. Cool, An cool. online meme. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Pete, Pete swims in the meme world. He's in subreddits mm-hmm. digging shit up. Like, he's out there. He's an undernet guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, uh, when you were watching the bloody doors off and they blew the bloody doors off, you turned to your girlfriend and said, that's the bloody doors off. <laughs> That's that's what they were saying at the beginning, that this is when it's happening now. Yeah, that's another internet meme, Pete. Yeah, cool. Yeah, versus those <laughs> offline memes, which yeah. we all love as well. That's just talking to people. Memes yeah, like I was just thinking about the Family Guy gif where like he goes to the movie, and then when they say the title, he starts clapping. Did you say Family Guy yeah. gif or gift? Gif. If it was a gift. <laughs> it's just another Family Guy gift. Well, Family Guy was, as we all know, a gift to the world from Seth MacFarlane. Let's talk about the plot of (laughs) The Bloody Doors Off, because lots of things go on. A big thing here, we get a bunch of backstory for Frenchie. We see what was going on with him eight years ago, then five years ago. We find out what happened back in the day is that things went very, very wrong when the boys tried to blackmail slash recruit Lamplighter, played in this episode, as well as previous episodes, by Sean Ashmore. Uh, And it led to the death... Iceman. Iceman to Fireman, that's what I'm saying, uh, led to the death of Mallory's grandchildren, I believe. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, uh, which is pretty bad. Uh, so they encounter him again in the present when they find out what Stormfront is doing is she is keeping a bunch of soups in seems like an asylum, mental hospital type situation. That's what Sage Grove is. Uh, and seems to be training them potentially to become soup terrorists, potentially to become soups. Uh, and uh, Lamplighter is part of that. Things go predictably wrong when accidentally the boys and Lamplighter lead to a breakout in the mental asylum. Stormfront pops by a couple of times, messes things up. But ultimately, they get out of there with Lamplighter, confront Mallory, uh, and ultimately uh, decide to use him once again as a resource, basically take two 
on the whole lamplighter sitch. Meanwhile, as Stormfront is popping back and forth from Sage Grove, she's also having a burgeoning romance with Homelander. It's very oh, sweet. Beautiful. We love, no. love two Nazis. No, love. Nothing there's nothing that, young about it. Hey, do you... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> never yeah, good, uh, good. Was I don't know bad. what just happened. I'm glad I just self-censored. <laughs> wow. That's never happened. In I like can't believe that. I don't even know. What does that even feel show? like? Yeah. It's like when oh you want to say something, but you don't? Why would wow. you, ever, why would you yeah. ever not say something? But hey, do, I you, think... do you ship Hitler and Eva Braun? Oh, That's what no, I was going to say. Stop. Why did you do it? Okay, so... I think I know, love when Pete doesn't like something you're saying. He tries to cover it up by talking. Even he doesn't have anything to say. He's like, okay, okay. So here's the thing: the words I have uh, you're, are we're oh, we're oh, we're kind of missing a huge thing that happened right at the beginning. Hashtag about, Eva Dolph. I just wanted to get. Uh, it. No. Uh, Golden Girls is what this whole episode is about. It's a it's a love letter to the magic that is Golden Girls and. Um, the through line of Golden Girls throughout everything was just absolutely fantastic, especially when it came, the theme music came up at the end. Hilarious timing on such an awful situation. But well, man. And, and we'll get back to that in a second. But while we're talking about Betty White, let's talk a little bit about the alt-right and get back to Stormfront <laughs> and Homelander, wow. who good, good. are kind of bonding over her secret history, as it turns out by the end of the episode, after he goes ballistic, tries to kill her a little bit, blows up her trailer. Uh, turns out she was actually Voight's wife back in the day, yeah. and oh. she views Homelander as the ultimate... Vought's wife. What? You said Voight. Voight. I've been pronouncing it wrong. Vaught. Yeah. Uh, it, it basically is like their ultimate Aryan Superman, which, of course, that's exactly what Homelander is from yeah. his very conception. Uh, so she's pretty happy about that. Uh, and they are together. It's also very weird and twisted. As usual. And on the other side of things, uh, we get some bonding between Starlight and Butcher that I'm yeah, sure we'll talk about. Yeah, team's coming together, man. Whole team's getting, uh, they're getting the band back together, the whole A team. They got a van even this episode. Oh, Pete. it's great. I love yeah. that van. On the other hand, you got the other members of the boys that we, uh, not the boys, excuse me, the seven that we should probably talk about, including mm. Maeve and Elena hit a critical point oh, uh, in their yeah. relationship in terms of dealing with exactly what's going on with Homelander, what they're going to do about it. The Deep and A-Train have an interesting bond over the Church of the Collective, uh, which leads to some big things for A-Train. And I'm sure there's other moments that we could talk about. Uh, But let's jump into it. Uh, Let's actually start off with the main storyline this time, I think. Talk about what's going on with Butcher, Starlight, Huey. Oh, we didn't mention Huey basically almost dies this episode. That's pretty bad for him. Nice, yep. Um, This is a little detail towards the end of the episode, but one thing that I was kind of curious about, and maybe I missed it, but we get a new twist, I thought, on Starlight's powers this episode, which is that she needs to charge up from electricity. Was that clear before, and I just totally missed it? No. No, I think, well, devices have always sort of flashed out around Mm -hmm. her, so... I guess I it wasn't as much a surprise to me because it always felt like she was draw that was her taking that power and then oh I didn't know that you thought I it was just, just a thought, fun I thought just things that were electrical freaked out around her I didn't know like she was using that to kind of like uh, get power from to then kind of like use so yeah for me that was a little like I didn't know the recharge thing was a thing so yeah I mean maybe. Maybe it was always a thing, and this is the first time they've used it, but 
the weirdness, not to start with a weird thing right off, but the weirdness to me was it felt like a little bit of a plot device to get Starlight in a situation where she needed to bond mm. with Butcher and Huey, and it all worked out totally fine, but it, it was something that I wish they had mentioned before in the series. Before the series? Like they emailed you? Yeah. Uh, just email me like some top <laughs> plot up. points. Yeah. yeah. Just a heads up. But just so you heads know up. the show that's coming out, Starlight needs to kind of recharge, okay? All right, thanks. Re the boys. Uh, well, uh, but that's a little uh, tiny little uh, quibble about what went on. Uh, what do yeah. you think about the whole Starlight Butcher bonding thing? How'd you feel about that plot line? I really liked it. I thought yes. it was nice that finally Starlight like was like, "All right, what's your fucking deal, guy?" Like, yeah. I get it. I'm a you know, I have the V. It sucks or whatever. But like, what's this about? And props for Butcher. Like, I was like really worried how he was going to react to that. And I'm, they really bonded over Huey, and it was adorable and nice to kind of put them in that position of, like, we have somebody in our lives who, like, we don't deserve. And it, like, kind of puts them on an equal playing field. Um, I, I think it's great, uh, especially for the things moving forward, because it's like, shit's just going to get crazier, and we don't have time for inward fighting. So I'm glad that, like, this episode finally happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I think throughout this season, like, they've, there's been these great sort of little moments where different characters get to bond, like Mother's mm. Milk and Starlight. And, yeah. uh, and I feel like this is another great example of that. And to see Butcher finally able to step away from his, uh, his prejudice, his hatred of soups, yeah. is, is good. Because, you know, it, it, when we first met him at the beginning of season one, it was like, oh, I get it. He hates them, and that's what it is. But as we've learned more about him, like... The reasons he hate them aren't all true, and like Becca was alive this whole time, and so it's like he 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 needs to change. Yeah, yeah. I also like the fact that, as you mentioned, we've been getting these moments where Mother's Milk and bonding with Starlight was a big plot line. Butcher bonding with Starlight was a big plot line, and then you have uh, the female at the beginning of this episode. Starlight comes up to her as a little nervous, and she just straight up hugs her. Yeah, that was so. Yeah, that was so great. It was fun. It was yeah. such a nice, cool moment where it was like, oh, all right, great. At least we have two people who don't want to kill each other. Yeah. What do you think it says, though? And obviously, this is one of the big themes, not just of the season, but the show in general, that if the boys know and accept Starlight, what does that say overall for their mission of taking down soups? It complicates things, but it's nice to, as Butcher says, like have they need for what they're going up against. They need soups on their side. Otherwise, they'll just get mowed down. So it's uh, uh, it just makes it a little bit equal of a battle, which is great. Yeah, they can't. I mean, you can't show up to a, a gunfight with a knife, I believe is how the famous yeah. cliche yeah, goes. Yeah. And they like hating. Or, like I do too often, I show up with a pinata, and that's yes. not helpful at all. Can't show up with a pinata at a candy fight. That's what I always say. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, Alex, I that's think you the could, time. You could yeah, show that's up. That's when you would show up. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a good place to catch candy. Exactly. Yeah. You open yeah. up the pinata, you all of a sudden got a great party coming your way. Yeah, right. it's exactly. like that Leo DiCaprio movie, Catch Candy If You Can. Yep. yep, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. what, that, what that's That is like. the, the one when people think of Leo Dio. It's definitely um, Catch Candy. Dio? <laughs> catch Candy if you can be. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tom Hanks versus see. Leo, you know what I mean? Come on. What were we talking about? Candy. <laughs> uh, no, I think um, it, 
I like knife it to is, a gunfight. Yeah. Uh, Almond like, Joy is number one. Go ahead. The, oh. them, them embracing, <laughs> I do love Almond Joys. Them embracing um, Butcher and the rest of the boys embracing soups doesn't isn't a, it's not on their mission statement that they can't talk to soups. It's they're trying to take down an idea, not the actual people who are involved in it. And uh, it's good that they can sort of learn that and move past it. Yeah. I also liked the overall thrust of this plot line at the mental hospital, the way we got Frenchie's backstory, the way that we flashed back to the boys back in the day. There's a there's a modulation in terms of the performances there, I think, particularly the way Carl Urban comes at Butcher. There's that great moment with Lamplighter walks into his costume. The music sweeps up and everybody laughs at him because he looks like a stupid dork, which feels to me like very comics, the boys. So it's almost like back in the day when they were with Mallory, they were from Garth Ennis and Derek Robinson's comics. And now they're at the point in the show where they've evolved in terms of empathy beyond that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I also think that like, what was a small like bit that was really kind of uh, a fun and well played on was this bit where like Starlight got her uh, thing cut out of her. And then, like, throughout the show, uh, she kept going, like, where the fuck is Starlight? Why can't you find her? And it was, wasn't addressed more than that, but it was just, like, a fun kind of, like, mm. touch point. I actually, one little detail that I really liked about the way this episode was shot is there is that gross moment where Frenchie figures out how to get the bug out of Starlight's neck at the beginning. And yeah. they cut mm. to a shot of Huey's face being splattered with blood. And it's very reminiscent of that shot when the same thing that happened with Robin way back in the first episode. So even though they don't outright state it, it felt to me like Jack Quaid a little bit in his performance was channeling that idea of, Oh God, here's another girlfriend of mine that horrible things is happening to. Oh, yeah. That's funny. The show just likes to splatter blood on his face. (laughs) Uh, When when Newman got her head popped, uh, he he got wicked splatter. Rainer got her head popped. Or sorry, Rainer. And then when Translucent exploded, it was a shot of his face, too, getting splattered with blood. Yeah. Just good times. And the whale. He was covered in blood after the whale as well. And the whale. Come on. Maybe have you thought... Maybe Jack Quaid's face is naturally covered in blood and they just (laughs) wipe it off. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit, we gotta cover this blood faced actor. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that he gets cast in so many roles because that's horrifying, if true. Yeah. <laughs> horrifying if true. Getting back to the asylum, Sarley, I'm so single minded in talking about this plot line. But uh, again, I think there's a lot to unpack there, particularly also uh, in how we meet Sean Ashmore's lamplighter. You know, we've seen little touches of him, but finally, this is a big episode for him. Yeah. This is uh, getting to understand his POV. And it's another one of those nuanced soup relationships, I think, uh, that we're getting here, where by the end, it's clear. He is actually regretful of what he did to Mallory, even yeah. though he has those self-preservation instincts that he learned from the seven. Yeah. I mean, across the board, I think this is this episode has all the requisite superhero fights you expect and everyone gets to be a badass. But underneath it all, they really do care for each other so much in this episode. And I thought that was a good theme, even into the other plot lines where it's like superheroes trying to be nice or superheroes trying to connect. Um, despite the fact that the, some of them are uh, Nazis and some of them are this and that, like uh, it's it. This episode was all about in the small moments. Yeah, and and that was like 
nice to kind of explore a little bit through Frenchie's background and his love of Golden Girls. Yes. And uh, to your point, Pete, this episode is based on the Golden Girls episode, uh, Blow the Bloody Doors Off. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we all know. Yeah. Which I is, think it was uh, season two, episode 14. Yeah. It's the yeah. one where um, uh, Betty White like almost like gets so close to just straight up killing Blanche. Well, no, no. It's the one where Betty White uh, goes to that insane asylum and like... Uh, Accidentally kills a bunch of people who uh, are. Oh, that that's that insane asylum where they're breeding women to be old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a quick question about the Golden Girls: Was it ever weird to you that Betty White didn't play Blanche Dubois? Why? Oh, wow, that's a completely different cast. Uh, you that's not Golden Girls. No, no, no but Blanche and White. Yes, are, I, I got like you, Alex. A, hey, thanks, Justin. And I've read this whole section of your. Um, uh, <laughs> QAnon mission statement, and I, uh, <laughs> I gotta say, it's really got some some wheels. Yeah, we we uh, go very heavy on the Golden Girls conspiracy theory, and then we also have like a sub thread for shipping Ava Dolph, uh, yeah. which uh, again, oh no, yeah, you're, you're part of you're part of G Anon, right? Which is Golden Girls, uh, G G Anon. Yeah, don't tell anybody though, because it's Anon. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other things from the uh, Asylum storyline we should probably talk about. Uh, so Stormfront is involved here. We get, uh, obviously, a bunch of information about what's going on there. But, uh, Pete, any theories about what's happening, why Stormfront is building this soup army or whatever is going on here? Well, I think it's like um, because... She is kind of like back in this new way. I guess like maybe her deal with, uh, you know, thought is that she's will oversee this fucking evil place and try to get V, you know, as I think Lamplighter pitches it like they're just trying to get it so anybody can take it and have good superpowers. So she's kind of overseeing this horrible place and they're torturing people to try to get powers. And we see a lot of interesting powers in this place. And we also get to meet Cindy, which who that's insane. All I was going to say is I think she's doing Nazi experimentation. Like she yeah. name drops Goebbels in the episode as a friend of hers slash somebody who was at her wedding to Vaught. Uh, And I don't know what the ultimate end goal is, but it seems pretty clear they're doing generic experimentation. Um, They're, like you said, they're torturing people. So it's pretty awful, uh, but I think overall well done and holds to what we know about her character. The interesting thing plot-wise to me is she doesn't tell Homelander, or at least she doesn't tell him right now. Like she says... I'm going to tell you the truth about everything by the end of the episode, but she still doesn't tell him that he's going to, she's going to Sage Grove, what's going on there, what is happening. Uh, and that creates a interesting power dynamic in my mind. I was really hoping Homelander wouldn't be okay with all the shit that she disclosed. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is he, he's like a young, he's young kid in love. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know. And like, she's like, Oh yeah, well I'm really old and a Nazi. And he's like, okay. Um, (laughs) It's like a kid dating a college girl, a high school kid dating a college girl. He's like, you're cool. Art history. I love that. Except this happens to be, um, Nazism. Uh, so I think, uh, I think he's on board now, but it definitely feels like she, she has her own agenda that 
is only using him at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, like you were saying, Justin, I think Anthony Starr, once again, really played Homelander this episode really well. Oh, I love my the God. F- yeah. I love the fact that, like you're saying, he's a lovesick baby. You know, he really, he is a baby who has all the power in the world and doesn't know how to control it and doesn't know how to control his emotions or use it. And to the point where he brings flowers, they're very nice flowers, but it's, it's very not- sweet. But it's not a big surprise or anything. Like, he's very proud of the fact that he went above and beyond and got some flowers. And when she doesn't come back in five minutes, he burns down her trailer. Uh, He strangles her. Uh, And then, yeah, I think you're totally right with that reaction at the end of the episode when they're talking, where he doesn't know what to do with this information. And I think he's more reacting to the fact that she's saying, you are perfect and I love you and you're everything I've ever wanted than anything else. You know, going back to that moment where he made Doppelganger or Doppelganger uh, transformed into himself, that's what he ultimately wants, is he wants somebody who loves him, he wants himself, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I I think the scene at the top of the episode where where they're um, stopping the bank robber and then they murder him and then have sex next to his corpse um, was a real sort of great encapsulation of their relationship and really this whole series. Like, it was... So (laughs) fucked up. It was like, we're superheroes, but we fuck near corpses, too. Yeah. What, uh, Pete, you ever have a first date like that? Uh, no. No, no, I wouldn't want to do that. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the way Maybe they, not literally, but figuratively. No, right. I mean, the way that they were, like, <laughs> crushed that dude's head, you know, and then had sex next to that thing was just an awful abuse of power. And, like, I... I can understand, like, Homelander being twisted in a way that's like, okay, I like doing fucked up shit and I don't care. But, like, um, him teaming up with someone who's so much more evil than he is just makes me very scared to see if he can, like, get out from under her. or Like, it's I'm just worried about the kind of, like, what he's going to turn into if he keeps in going down this path. See, the equivalent for, for a date that you would be on, Pete, would be, like, uh, crushing the head is like sending back the appetizers. And having, oh, sex, ha- having sex next to the corpse is like having sex in the bathroom next to a corpse. <laughs> 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 you know what yeah. I'm talking about? A date like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that uh, you're saying that Homelander is confronted with someone who's more evil than him. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, to me, it's like a different sort of flavor. Like, Homelander's pretty... He's done truly horrifying things. Right. But, he, but he's he still pretending to be good, and he knows the line between good and bad. You know what I mean? Like, whereas does, she's does just... He? Like, we see the footage in this episode later with uh, Elena and Maeve of when he let those the, that plane crash. Oh, like, yeah, that, that was... is truly horrible. But I think yeah. the difference is the different sort of flavors of evil is his is an innocent, like, reckless evil. And mm-hmm. she's like a, a, a meticulous, uh, like, uh, racist, like thought out. Yeah, like mm-hmm. all these preconceived notions. Uh, type of evil. Well, he's also, he is fettered by what the public thinks of him. He is, is yeah. super concerned about that. And that is the thing that for the most part prevents him from doing what we saw in his vision in the last episode where he just mowed down the crowd with his heat vision. Um, he would never do that because he doesn't want to cross that line. I think what Pete's saying or getting towards is Stormfront might push him over that line. Yeah, exactly. Because she yeah. ultimately 
doesn't care. Nope. The second, the second she is able to in public, like she does that to A Train repeatedly in the in this episode, I think, as well as last episode, where it doesn't matter anymore, so she can just be openly racist to him to his face, which is yeah. horrifying. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it is an interesting lie that they're playing with. Like, what is worth sociopathic violence or? Uh, racist Nazi violence, and I think the answer is the latter. But I, we're also going to find out. You know, oh, man. yeah, I it don't does seem find like. Out. <laughs> no, I mean, I do want to find out, and it does feel like that's the direction we're headed in this uh, season. Yeah, uh, should we talk about the deep and a trade yeah. a little bit because that's a fun plot line. Uh, yes. Once again, Chase Crawford. Playing the hell out of it. I love his little stupid sack, his little messenger sack that he's wearing. Yeah. Uh, that's a fun little detail. And just all the stuff with A-Train, what do you think about this new relationship, bringing A-Train into the Church of Collective? Uh, what's your take on the plot line and where do you think it's going? Well, I think it's one of those things where it's interesting to see those two together, especially with all the history and like it that moment at the like lunch where uh you know uh the deep puts it out there and is like yo i'm pissed about all this stuff and uh then the creepy guy is like ooh truth it's time for some truth telling uh truth bombs uh i i think it's like such an interesting kind of like weird revenge for the deep and his like new coming to uh, power in this fucked up kind of mind washed church scenario. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the deep and a train are sort of two sides of the same coin. They're both trying to hold on to their power. The right. deep is uh, bad at it. The deep is just like cool. Cause he's uh, maybe not as smart. Um, a train feels like he is like, uh, how can I take advantage of this situation to get to me, get me where I want to go. Right. Do we know what the Deep's background is, like what his backstory? Because we certainly know that A-Train's motivation in large part is the fact that he was born poor. He was born to nothing and then worked his way up to being super rich and super famous. So he wants to hold on to that at any moment versus the Deep. Uh, I guess we don't know. I mean, that might be a difference beyond their intelligence level, which is certainly there in the psychology in terms of how they're. Uh, approaching this. I guess yeah, we don't that, know, though. That's fair. We don't know officially, but he, I think we learned that he first discovered his powers when he was in a pet store hearing goldfish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's maybe all that we know from the show about him. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need to know about somebody's backstory. Uh, by yeah. the way, about the truth telling, should we try that? Should we be radically honest with each other? Oh, man. That's, I don't know how well that'll go. We I, haven't, I we haven't been? Pete. <laughs> I don't what like are you the way back? you uh, send back appetizers. Oh, yeah. man. This again. But, Pete, I appreciate the way that you have sex near corpses. <laughs> See, that feels good. We got that it off does, of our chest. I got to say, though, I never, I'm never going to drink a Fresca ever again after this show. Wow. I am How much opposite. Fresca? Yeah. Every time I see Fresca on the show, I think, oh, I should go get a Fresca. Wow. See, that's it's working on me. I haven't I seen like, it in any stores yet. I like grapefruit, citrus soda, but Fresca, I don't like. Huh. Is it is it made with aspartame or something like that? Does it have That's that exactly. aftertaste? It yeah. has that aftertaste. Yeah, that is gross. 
It's fucked up that aspartame has an as- aftertaste because the word is almost the same. <laughs> aspartame <laughs> sounds like someone just changed a couple letters in the word aftertaste and was like, let's call it this. <laughs> uh, before we start to wrap up here, any other uh, plot lines or moments that you guys want to touch on? Anything? Uh, oh, well, we, should we, probably got, we t- haven't talked about the dick yet. Yeah, I was gonna bring that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was. I mean, I think all, a lot of those characters from the Sage Grove were, were fun and ridiculous. The barfer who melts himself with his own barf. Oh uh, yeah, that you like threw up on himself. That was so gross. Um, yeah. nice and gross. Um, yeah, uh, prehensile dick. Uh, Mister Love Sausage is that who it is from the comics? Yeah, yeah uh, I think so. There's yeah. also, I, I just want to mention it, maybe this is wrong, but we had a lot of discussion about this at work. Uh, one of the guys who interv- interviewed the boys cast asked them to give one word in advance of the season uh, about like their biggest, grossest fight scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dude who plays Mother Milk said, use the word bite. And we were trying to figure out if maybe there was a take where he bit the penis. Oh. And uh, I, that- I think that makes a lot of sense, but maybe that yes. was too far. Yeah, it's too I, far. Imagine them being like, that's too far. We had to cut <laughs> that out. We had, listen, uh, you can't bite the penis. Um, we're going to have to cut that out. Yeah. 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 Just let it strangle you. Oh, my yeah. God. This is how I've always imagined dying. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, no, but I want to talk about Cindy. Like, what an entrance. And she also got a little cameo at the end. I'm nervously excited for how Cindy's going to take down liars, man. Yeah. You're yeah. talking about truth I, I bombs. I love that. I love that. Cindy's having going... that out in the world and having that character out in the world. The more they can do that, and they do this at a pretty regular pace, but the more they can widen out the world, widen out the cast, widen out like the dangling things that are going on there, I think that's Don't great. Say dangling, uh, particularly you know. because this episode, I was thinking a lot, and, and we've talked about this before, but I was thinking a lot about how they bring up these plot points and then resolve them the next episode, or at least offer, you know, they offer up mysteries and then uh, open up the mysteries the next episode. But those tend to just open up even more mysteries. And I think this is a good example of that. We're like, we didn't know what was going on in Sage Grove. We don't know what it was. They tell us exactly what it is, but that only raises more questions that puts Cindy out in the world. Uh, That's good storytelling. I think they're doing a great job as usual there. Well, and speaking of great storytelling, the part where, like, Starlight takes out that fucking guy uh, to get his car, and then they get into the car, and she sits right next to a baby seat. Like, wow, that's some great storytelling. That was that was fucked up. And that's, yeah. like, that's not Starlight's thing. Like, she, that's a bad, I feel like that's going to be a thing for her. So what do you think? Did that guy ride around in a baby seat or what was happening there? Because I didn't get it. He has a kid, Alex. That's who. Oh, uh, really? I thought that was a grocery seat where you put your fragile groceries so you can. <laughs> so yeah, when I go seat? to the grocery store, I usually get one egg. One loose One egg. big egg. Yeah, like a Yoshi-style egg. <laughs> uh, yeah. I usually get a I'm bag so of flour, and then I put a little diaper around it, and I have to take care of it for a month. That's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. That's where. Yeah. That's why you have the grocery seat. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find Yoshi eggs. I haven't had a good Yoshi egg omelet in quite some time. <laughs> oh, man, let's go. <laughs> Do you think uh, Mario, does he eat that? He's like, okay, I'm going to eat your babies. It's a fucked up relationship he has with yeah. Yoshi. You'd think it'd be more like a Mickey Pluto thing or Mickey mm-hmm. Goofy thing, but it's much more a Mickey Pluto thing. 
Right. Well, wow. Mickey also eats uh, Pluto's eggs. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, little known fact, Pluto it seems like a dog. He's actually a snake with legs. <laughs> Hot take. Hot <laughs> take. Check Hot the take. Disney backlog. All right, it's, but, no, and the really fucked like, up part is Goofy is also a snake with legs, but he's standing up <laughs> but he talks. and talks. Like, where, what's the deal there? In early, you know how in early cartoons like Steamboat Willie it was Mickey the whole time. Oh my god! Well, in early cartoons, Mickey's like Pluto, go to your snake house, mm-hmm. go go live in your snake house, and that's how you. know. I think I think Starlight killing a dude is really going to come back and uh, uh, be. A I thing. don't think she killed him; she just knocked him out. Right? Oh no, she killed him. There was blood coming out of the back of his head. I don't know. Either. Back of the head, there's a lot of blood back there. <laughs> I hate to tell you, Alex, that blood comes from inside the head. It's yeah, not, that's not, there's not really? blood back Because there. I have like this sack back here <laughs> that's just like got a jiggly <laughs> sack on the back of my head. That's oh, that's a, uh, that's a that spider has out. laid those eggs in <laughs> the back oh, of your Oh, yeah, head. that explains why it hurts. Yeah. yeah. Huh. They're going to hatch, You're hopefully, dying. on camera. Nice. Any other plot points you want to talk about? Anything else we should call out from the episode? Uh, love the Enya sail away. Um, oh, the sail! Yeah, why that was playing the whole time—that was so great, very fun. And then we didn't really talk about um, Maeve and Elena, and um, that was some interesting stuff. We have the deep bringing the black box from the crashed jet, and then um, Elena accidentally sees the footage from the airliner um, driving a wedge between them. Uh, this this story has been sort of simmering underneath for a while, and I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're going to survive that. That that's that's just brutal. Um, yeah, and yeah. and it's hard to explain. You know what I mean? It's hard for Maeve to explain in that situation that would kind of calm somebody's reasonable concerns after you just like walked away from all those fucking people dying, and especially because you're supposed to be a superhero. Uh, but yeah, that's I don't know if they're going to come back from that. All right, just to wrap up. Wait, wait, here. two, oh, two yeah. other quick things. Oh, um, two more quick things. The Sorry, the Brave Mave Pride Bar. Yes, that was uh, very fun and very just uh, targeting uh, brand culture and everything. Really, really great move there. Uh, great satire. And I also love the moment where um, at the beginning of the episode, where I think it's Butcher and Kamiko are watching the interview, an interview with Homelander, and yeah, uh, and they're like they're fucking, they're fucking, <laughs> yeah. Fucking. But also like that was the only mention uh, Noir got that episode where they were like, "Who's the prankster on the set?" Oh uh, yeah, sorry about that, Pete. You doing okay? Yeah, it was a little rough, man. I, you know, I need uh, my Noir bit to uh, feel like it's a complete episode. So that was that was a little heartbreaking. Do you think that um, Black Noir and Blanche from Golden Girls, there's a connection there because it's Blanche oh, and Noir? Oh, yin my and yang. God. Yes, dude. Wow. Yeah, this is interesting. Not a lot of people know this, but in the original draft of Golden Girls, they were all uh, snakes with legs. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. <laughs> that's true, yeah. I think also uh, that the moment that Frenchie had with female uh, was really... Like the her look, like uh, gave me a lot of hope that maybe their relationship isn't just going to be like friends, and maybe there's something. Oh, really? Like, Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was more about repairing the relationship and Frenchie, as he does, apologizing for everything. No, it's that's going very on much. But on. then he's like, "I'm sorry. I thought there was more. Maybe I put something on it. Like, I, if I could save you, you know. But we're cool. We're just friends." And then she was kind of like, 
and her eyes kind of being like, well, that's, I don't know. It could be more. So mm-hmm. I, that's the way I looked at it. Interesting. Mm. All right. Let's, before we wrap up, uh, best boy in the episode. Pete, who's Whew. your best boy? Whew, this is tough. Black Noir, right? Yeah, definitely. No, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go with Starlight. I really liked how she handled herself and pushed Butcher. And and it sucked. Like, she could have been really upset after she was forced to kill that guy. But she was kind of, like, really coming to grips with it in the car. So I was really impressed with her. Um, I got to go with Homelander. Uh, we talk about it a lot on the oh, show, man. and I always I'm stealing Alex's answer on this one, uh, probably. Um, but Andy Starr uh, playing this, um, having to play sort of the petulant uh, teenage uh, heartsick kid um, is is hard, and to do it while also being this the most powerful superhero soup uh, on the planet Earth is is not easy. It could have easily come off as like bratty and like obvious. And he does such a great job of making it uh, really play. And uh, it was a great plot across the board. Yeah. Uh, I actually want to give it up for Lamplighter this episode. I thought Whoa. Sean Ashmore Ooh. did a you love Iceman. I do love Iceman. Uh, from Top Gun to X-Men, I always love Iceman. <laughs> Sean Ashmore is great. And uh, in particular, there's one reaction that he has towards the end of the episode when Mallory is pointing the gun at him. And he says, just do it. Just kill me. Yep. Uh, that really is very gutting, the way that he plays it, the way that his lips shake. Uh, you can see the sadness in his face just hang there. Um, the... Uh, scene where the boys are hiding and Stormfront enters the hospital and Lamplighter doesn't give them up is very tense and well played. So, I mean, who knows how long he's going to hang around, but he's a good addition to the cast. Uh, and it's tough to come into that sort of thing midstream, but Sean Ashmore is the right person to do it. So uh, it's fun. I, I like seeing him. It's a good character and I'm excited to see what happens with him going forward. And that is it for Let's Hear It for the boys. Uh, If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out and chat with the boys with us. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Here at number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, 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 Twitter. Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, boys, boys, I don't remember what I said at the beginning. Boys. Um, <laughs> congrats on your bar mitzvah. Yeah. Keep, walk, keep walking, snakes with legs. Mm-hmm.